Welcome to the Victory Family Worship Center podcast. If you have any questions, you can email us at thevictory.tv at gmail.com. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and, and open them up to Ephesians chapter 4. That's where we're going to be. You have, the, you have all the scriptures and notes on the app. If you have the Victory Family Worship Center app, go to Sunday Experience and click on Sermon Notes and you'll have everything you need that I'm going to say today and you can follow along and um, I'm so glad you're here. Let's, let's just dive right in. But before we get into it, I want to tell you a little bit of background about why I'm preaching about what I'm doing is, is because you know we've been having a lot of conversations in the office and stuff about everything that's going on and everything that's happening and, 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 and just you know about the future of Victory Family Worship Center. A lot of churches are talking, having these conversations it's not just us, because um, you know I know I know I have friends and uh, in, in in bigger places and bigger churches, and you know I've seen churches in, in just in the last month, you know that's have running three and four services be reduced down to one service just because people are it, it's a different world we live in, and so we're having all these conversations about the future the future of victory, and in this discussion, I started thinking about you. I started thinking about all of you, the people in this place, and you know what it, what would it be like? This thought came to me, what would it be like if if we could just do whatever whatever God created us to do, whatever God created you to be and you to be and me to be, whatever God created us to be, what if we just took that? outside of the typical box outside of the church what would it look like what would what would what would just how would our cities be transformed and how would our businesses be transformed because the real underlying tone here and what i'm trying to get at is i believe there are a lot of abilities creative abilities that are within this church right here that we're not tapping into i believe that we 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 touch them on the surface, but we're not. There are ideas. There are creative ideas. There are creative abilities lying within dormant, within within the people in this church that are not being tapped into. And I I feel like the Lord is speaking to me about speaking to you about this and and doing a series and just, just teaching us how to understand that we, you know, we've got to quit putting limitations on ourselves, and we've got to release those gifts. We've got to be free. And I started thinking about the whole context of how we operate as people, how we function as people, and um, you know, it's it's kind of eye opening when you listen to. If you, this is not a secret, and I'm not an expert on psych, child psychology, but if you listen to the experts and you read, you will discover that experts will say that children from the age of zero to five will learn more in those first five years than they do for the rest of their life. I don't know if y'all knew that or not, but it's supposedly true. <laughs> like I said, I'm not an expert, but from age zero to five is when children begin to discover all their personality traits. That, that all begins to take shape, the way they think, the way they process emotions, the way they uh, you know, learn, the way children learn to learn, you know, and their, their creative ways. All those things are formed between the ages of zero and five. That's why it's so important to get your children in church, get the scripture in them, get them, get them in there, because children learn more in those five years than they do for the rest of their lives. And then something happens at the age of five. Their learning starts to slow down at the age of five. You want to know why children stop learning at the age of five? Y'all ready for this? They go to school. They go to school. And I'm not knocking schools and I'm not knocking teachers or anything like that, but it's, it's a fact. Because then when they go to schools, we start teaching them to draw in the lines and color within the lines. And, 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 and you've got to do things a certain way. And we start taking these boundaries that we want to use to shape around them, to shape the way that they think. And, and, and you know, you're supposed to learn the way we want you to learn. And anybody that involves, that's involved in education will tell you that everybody learns differently. Um, I used to, we used to have some ministry experiences when I was in the youth ministry and stuff. I mean, uh, you know, we were on national news one time. We did an outreach. CNN came and, 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 and I took my daughter out of school. And, and the principal wanted to know why I took them out of school. And I said, sometimes you got to take your, sometimes you got to take your kids out of school so they can get an education. <laughs> 
And, and, and you know, because and, and I wanted them to experience all this firsthand because there, you know, this is one of the challenges of the educational system that we have in our country is we tend to teach one way when there's many different ways to learn. And, and so what happens is this puts people in a box and it shuts down the creativity when we begin to form them and shape them. And this is the same thing that's happened in the church. Um, the same thing has happened in the church where these we, we, people that are free and people that are creative and have all these creative expressions uh, in the world, then they come into the church and we get them saved and they get saved and they come into the church and suddenly the same thing happens. We start putting boundaries around their creativity. We start putting boundaries around their gifts and their, around their abilities. You got to think the way we think, and you've got to do things a certain way, and you got to walk around these certain lines. And, and so, what happens is people within the church, right here, even right here, I'm talking to you today, we become so afraid of doing something wrong that we never do anything right. We're so afraid of stepping out of those boundaries. And, and disappointing someone that we don't ever do anything right. We don't step out in faith. We don't, we don't uh, you know, fail. And fails, failures are how we learn. And so therefore, we don't use our gifts and we don't use the beautiful talents that we have and that God has placed inside of us. And we certainly don't use them in the church and we certainly don't use them outside of the church. And so let me give you a little bit, of, a little hint about the church. Um, you may know this, and you probably know this, the church is not a building. I'm going to do a series in a couple of weeks when, when, when I get ready, when I get finished with this, and it's called Ecclesia, and it's going to talk about the church and how we do church and what the church is supposed to look like. The church is not a building. It's not a location. The church is not even a weekend experience on Sunday. The church is you. It is a life with God. We're just all we do is assemble on Sunday mornings to celebrate that life. And we assemble on Sunday mornings to learn more about that life that God's created in us. And But the real church happens between the weekends. That's when real church happens. Real church is what happens in your workplaces. Real church is what happens in your neighborhoods and at your workplaces. And, you know, those where you're, that's where you're really releasing your gifts and your talents and your abilities. And when I look at this congregation and um, I, I see the incredible gifts, I see talents, I see abilities that are really sitting idle in our church. They're not being used for, for the glory of God. And I'm not here to step on your toes or anything. I'm just telling, saying it like it is. And so I was, I was, uh, you know, it's kind of. I was talking to him this morning. I was, you know, we went on vacation to Colorado, and we had, we got a new little puppy, and it's, uh, yeah, it's just a hairy free furball. And um, so I'm holding that puppy, and I'm standing in a bunch of grass, and it's just plush green grass. You know, I just kind of want to lay down, and it just makes you, it's those green pastures. And it just felt so good, and it felt so right. And I'm holding that puppy, and that puppy wants down. And I, I thought, well, how cool would it be just to release this puppy and let him run in the grass a little bit? You know, I thought the little puppy, it was just, it's a pretty new puppy, only a couple months old. It'll just run in the grass right here. You know what I mean? It'll be fine. And, and I set the dog down, and I unleashed the little leash. I unclipped our little leash, and the dog looked at me for a minute like, are you serious? <laughs> and Amy looked at me too like, are you serious? And I mean, it took about two seconds for that dog to realize they're free. And that dog went everywhere, every parking lot, every under every car, under every porch and around. And that it was barking at everybody and it was full speed over here, then full speed back over here. And we're chasing, we're going crazy. This dog's chasing birds. It's running around. This dog even stopped traffic at the stop sign. Everybody's stopping and nobody's moving because the dog's running in the streets. And, and, and I, <laughs> I didn't think I was ever going to catch the dog. It took forever. And, and that's, you know, and that's kind of uh, what God God wants to do in this church. There are a lot of people that are leashed to the pews, and, and, and they're, they're, they need to be set free. You need to be set free. You have been created to be free. Everybody say, I'm free. You have been created to do something for God that is much bigger than what you're doing right now, every one of you. And, and so um, Paul writes this scripture in Ephesians 4.16. Paul says this, he said, um, for because of him, Jesus, the whole body, the church, in all of its various parts, are closely joined and firmly knit together by the joints and the ligaments with which it is supplied. 
<coughs> when each part with power adapted to its need is working properly in all of its functions, grow to full maturity, building itself in love. So basically, it's talking about body parts, but it's talking about the church. It's talking about people, individuals within the church. So basically, Paul is saying that God always intended for the church to be about people using their gifts and their abilities, rather than just gathering in a building every weekend. Now, I want you to think about the gifts that are sitting here right next to you right now. I want you to think about the gifts that you're sitting on right now that are within you. Gifts that are inside of you. Some things that, there's maybe things you may not even realize that are inside of you. We're going to learn how to break free today from those limitations that life has taught to put us on ourselves. And a lot of times when what, what happens in our life is the devil begins to create circumstances that shut down your gifts. And I, so I'm going to expose that this morning. It was Ed Bernays. He was the, he's the father architect of modern day marketing. And he said this, and you've probably heard it before. He said, if we can enslave people in debt in America, we can control them. And so the government can control the people as long as they're in debt. The Bible says the borrower is a servant to the lender. Amen? So until you're free from debt, you're always a slave to some degree. And so the same is true with your gifts and your talents. They did a psychology test one time. I need to grab my illustration here. They did a psychology test one time, and it's, I read about it, and it's a pretty cool story. They did a, they did a, they did a cool test with fleas, and um, they put fleas in a jar like this or in a can like this, and, and um, they put the fleas in there, and as soon as, they, uh, as soon as they put the fleas in, what happened was they set it down, and all the fleas began to jump out. I didn't know fleas could jump when I read that. Did you all know fleas could jump? Fleas can jump. I thought they flew. I don't know, they, but they jump. And anyway, fleas can jump. And so the fleas would jump out of the jar about this size, and they would just jump right out of it and take off. And they said, okay, well, we're going to have to do something about this. So they put a lid on the jar. They put the lid on the can so that the fleas couldn't jump out. And, and, but that didn't keep the fleas from jumping. The fleas kept jumping, and they kept hitting their little flea heads on top of the, the lid. And just knocking themselves out, just bonk, 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 bonk. And so, um, so this went on for a little while, but eventually the little fleas have little brains and little, little, little heads and little brains. And so what eventually happened is the, the fleas kind of got smart and they realized, hey, we can't keep jumping this high. We can't keep jumping this high. We're going to hit our heads. And so, I, so they decided, all the fleas just got together, they decided, we're only going to jump about three quarters high. We're only going to jump, we're going to lower how much we jump. We're going to lower that a little bit. So we won't keep hitting our heads. That way we can still jump, but we won't hit our heads. So the fleas started jumping high enough, just high enough, that they wouldn't hit their heads. They wouldn't hit the top of the lid. And after they did this for a while, eventually, the people running the experience, they came in and they just lifted the lid off the jar. And they discovered to their amazement, the fleas would no longer jump out of the jar. They just only jumped a certain high because they didn't want to hit their heads. They trained the fleas to limit themselves. To just jumping so high because they didn't want to hit their heads. Are y'all following this? And so that's exactly what the devil does to people. You grow up in life. You, you, you start growing up. You get into junior high and you start having aspirations and you get into high school and stuff. You have these big dreams. You want to you wanna go to college and you want to be an NFL player and you want to play college football or college sports and, and you, you want to do this. You want to be an actress or you want to be a business person. You want to own your own business. You want to be a scientist. You want to be a doctor and you have all these dreams and aspirations and, and then you get out there and you get out there in life and then circumstance, the circumstances circumstances of life start hitting you head on. You have situations and circumstances and they start to become obstacles. Uh, um, and what you feel, they start becoming obstacles to your dreams. 
You, and so what happens is you start to lower your expectations in life. Now you're just jumping high enough that you don't hit your head on the lid anymore. Jesus comes along and he comes into your lives. And what we don't realize is Jesus didn't come to just save you. Jesus come to lift the lid off your life. He come to get rid of the lid. Jesus came to take the lid off who you are and who you were created to be. But the problem is, once Jesus came and lifted the lid, some of us don't even realize the lid's off and we're only jumping so high. Some of us have never even made an effort to jump out of the jar. We're still stuck in there. We're still stuck in this can because we don't believe we can jump out. We have the ability to do something bigger than we've ever done before, and Jesus has lifted the lid, but we don't believe we can jump out. But, but Jesus has lifted the lid. We're free and clear. Watch this. Let me show you in scriptures, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. It should be on the screen. Paul says this. He's writing to the church. He's talking to the church. He's talking to a congregation of people, and he said, May all the gifts and the benefits that come from God our Father and the Master, Jesus Christ, be yours. So he's telling us that everything, that all the gifts and all the benefits that, that come from God to Jesus are ours too. Every time I think of you, Paul says, I think of you often. He says, I thank God for your lives because of free and open access to God given by Jesus. Now let's say that together. Everybody say that together. Say, say free and open access to God. I don't know if you realize it or not, but you have free and open access to God. You, you can barge right in. I illustrated it this morning, kind of like my kids when they were growing up, my son and my, even my daughter and now my grandson. Uh, um, you know, I can be in my office and, and you know, the door can be shut and, and, and you, know, it, it, I can, you know, I can be in a meeting. I can be with somebody. I can be counseling somebody. And, and, and my little grandson, he doesn't give a rip when he needs Papa. He'll just open the door and he'll barge right in and he'll go get right what he needs at the office. And I just kind of look at him with a blank look and he just comes in and he says, I need this, Papa. And then he'll walk back out. But he, he knows that he has free and access to free access, free and open access to Papa all the time. My son knew that. My daughter knew that. I mean, I, 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 can, I remember when our stage used to be at a different deal, I can remember preaching and I can remember walking and pacing and talking. And I can remember my son when he was little, he would get up here and walk with me, you know what I mean? And walk behind me. He just had free and open access. He understood that, that he had free and open access. The Bible says, Paul was telling the church, he said, I think of you. And I think of you often, Paul said. And I thank God for your lives of free and open access to God given by Jesus. Paul's getting excited and he's telling the church, uh, he's saying, listen, there's no end to what has happened to you when you came into a relationship with Jesus Christ. He said, it's beyond speech. It is beyond knowledge. It's beyond comprehension. Paul's getting excited. He can hardly contain himself. He said, the evidence of Christ has been clearly verified in your life. And he says, just think, you don't need anything. Paul says, you've got it all. That's what he's telling the church. Now let me explain something to you. Once you've given your heart to Jesus and you've asked Jesus to come into your heart and you said, I want you to be the Lord of my life, listen to me carefully. You have become a son and a daughter of the Most High God. Y'all realize that? You've become, you are a son or a daughter of God. And then when, you're, when you are a son or a daughter of God, you have open access to God. It didn't used to be that way in the Old Testament. There used to be a veil. There was a separation between, and there was certain requirements. Only the priest, the high priest, could go into the Holy of Holies and had access to God. But when Jesus Christ did what he did on the cross, that veil was ripped from top to bottom. And it was ripped, and Jesus said, no longer is there going to be boundaries between the, my children have free and open access to me. Uh, you've got it all. See, we, as a church, we need to quit whining and complaining about what we don't have, and we need to start thanking God for what we do have. All of God's gifts, look at this. Let me continue reading. All of God's gifts are right in front of you, 
as you wait expectantly, watch this, as you wait expectantly on the master Jesus to arrive on the scene for the finale. And not only that, but God himself is right alongside you to keep you steady on the track until all things are wrapped up by Jesus. I mean, you know, Jesus is fixing to wrap things up. <laughs> I believe that. <laughs> I believe he's in the process of getting things wrapped up. And it says, God who got you started on this spiritual adventure shares with us the life of his son and our master, Jesus. He will never give up on you. God will never give up on you. That's what the Bible says. And, ne- and then he says, never forget that. He'll never give up on you. If you're a son or a daughter of the Most High God and you make mistakes and you have failures, he will never give up on you. Amen? Thank you for that enthusiasm. That's a good place to shout amen. Now, I want to drill down in this a minute because I want you to, I want you to stop thinking about what you used to do and who you used to be. Paul said, he said, one thing I do is I forget those things that are behind me and I press forward toward the upward calling of Jesus Christ. So, so forget those things that are behind you. Forget those things that are behind you. Okay? You're not defined by who you used to be. I know that's how the world defines you. They'll def- the world will define you about your past mistakes. They'll, worry, they'll define you about your past failures. That's how the world defines you. That's how friends will define you. That's how family members will define you. They'll define you about your past. You're never going to amount to anything. You're never going to be any good. They'll, that's how the world will define you. But that's not how God defines you. God defines you completely different. So therefore, you've got to learn how to break the limits and break free from this. So I'm going to give you some principles, three principles, and then we'll be done. And if you're writing notes, if you're taking notes, write these down. The first principle is this, is you've got to understand that identity determines destiny. Identity determines your destiny. Every one of you have a destiny in this place. You were all put on this earth for a reason. You all were born into this world for a reason. There's no such thing as mistakes. God put you on this earth. He put you on Friona, Texas in 2020 for a reason, to accomplish something for his glory. And he wants to do it through you. And you have a destiny, but your identity determines your destiny. You, You know, who you identify yourself to be And who you identify you with determines your destiny. If you say you're always a loser, then that's your destiny. You're going to be a loser. If you're going to speak that over yourself, that's that's what's going to happen. You're a byproduct of your identification. So let me ask you this question. Who are you? Who are you? If you had to write a paragraph about yourself right now, who are you? Who would you say I am? I am this and such. I I am this. If you... If you were to identify yourself, who are you? Let me give you some examples. A lot of people, their identity is wrapped up in their career. That's just, everything is about their career, 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 career. I'm a businessman. I'm a businessman. How you doing? I'm so-and-so. I'm a businessman. I'm a career person. I'm a salesperson. I'm a doctor. I am a doctor. I've got the degrees. I got all this. I am a doctor. This is who I am. This is what I do. This is who my identity is. I am doctor, doctor, doctor. I I am a salesperson, whatever. Uh, um, That's who their identity is. It's their career. Some people's identities are wrapped up in relationships, you know, I'm a husband. I'm a husband. I'm a mother. I'm, I'm a father. I'm, I'm this person, and we're just wrapped up in this. I'm just a father. I'm a housewife or whatever, and this is all I'm ever going to be. That's who I am. I'm just, I'm just so-and-so's wife. That's, I'm, that's all. That's just who I am. They're, that's your identity. We're wrapped up in the person. Some people, their identity is wrapped up in races and cultures, I'm a black person. I'm a white person. I'm an African-American. I'm Hispanic, and... and they're proud and they boasted and I'm all about this and that's my identity and, and, and that's just, that's their identity. Some people's identity, and this is, this is where a lot of people live, their, their, their identity is wrapped up in being a victim. I had this happen to me or this happened to me, this situation, and, and tragic as it may be or whatever, you know. Uh, so therefore, my identity is this. I am a victim of my circumstances. And that follows you all the days of your life. And, and the stuff that happened to me, the stuff that wounded me, changed me so much that I can't function. 
rejection issues. If you were rejected in the past, you had rejection, mother and father, whatever it is, uh, we, we, th- those things haunt you. They, they come and they come into your life and, and we just we're, we're, we, we walk in that rejection for the rest of our life. We're afraid of rejection. We're afraid of people rejection. We're afraid of pastors rejected. We're afraid of, uh, of peers rejected. We're afraid of bosses rejection. So that rejection, it follows us. If it's mental issues, it'll, it'll follow you. If it's depression issues, I'm just depressed. I'm depressed. I'm depressed. I'm depressed. We carry that. We drag that baggage into our future. We drag that future into us, and that determines our destiny. If your identity is wrapped up in these things, you'll always be beneath what God has created you to be because when God, when you gave your life to Jesus Christ, he took the lid off your life. And at some point, you've got to learn that your identity is in Jesus Christ. At some point, you've got to learn that you are a new creation. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, in other words, if anyone gave their life to Christ, if anyone has accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, the Bible says he or she is a new creation. You are a new creation. That old way of thinking, that old person, that old man, that old woman, that person died. That's why that's baptism. It's symbolism of that old person dying. And we're being we're a new creation in God. All you are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Old identities, old failures, old mistakes, old sins. All that stuff is past. You're a new creation. How many of you are ready for some things to just how many of you are ready to just let go of some things? Come on, somebody. How many of you are ready to let go of some things and tell some things to get out of there? How many of you are ready to let some of that past get beyond you and just let it go? Can I see anybody? Y'all ready for this? I'm going to help you. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So God created you to function in the newness of Christ. The Bible talks about old wineskins being broken and new wineskins. And I'm going to talk about that some more in just a minute so he can pour new wine and a new, a new, new revelation into you. But see, so many Christians, they get saved, but they want to function in their past. They want to function in their old identity. They want to still function in their hurt. They want to function in their pain instead of letting that old man die. And, 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 and this is, listen, this is the trap of the devil This is the trap of the enemy, Satan, whatever you want to call him. This is the trap. So sometimes the enemy traps us by getting us so caught up in our failures and so caught up in our mistakes and so caught up in the sins of our past that we can't go forward because we're stuck in this mentality of this is who I am. This is who I am. Instead of who we were created to be. If I was still who I was back in the 1980s, I wouldn't be standing here today because that's not who I am. Some of my people, it's probably some people watching online, some of my friends from high school and stuff, sometimes they don't even recognize who I am because they remember the old me. That's not who I am anymore. That person died. Paul writes this in Galatians, Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. He said, for you talking about people who know God are all children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like new clothes. How many of you like to put on new clothes? Some of y'all don't. I can... <laughs> we like to put on new clothes. There's no longer Jew or Gentile. Watch this. When you're in Christ, it's, it, it, it's like putting on new clothes. When you've been baptized in Christ, it's like putting on new clothes. There's no longer Jew or Gentile, no longer slave or free, no longer male or female, no longer Hispanic or Nigerian, no longer white or black. No one, Come on, somebody. There's no longer those identities. He said, for all of you are one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are true children of Abraham. Now, now you... Because Abraham said this, you are heirs to God's promises to Abraham, and that belongs to you. This is important because if you studied the life of Abraham, Abraham says, once you learn how to become a child of God, 
then you're not identifying with all those things and all those struggles and all that strife and all that constant worry. And you're not, you're not struggling with that anymore. Once you become a child of God and once you recognize that you're a child of God, you're no longer constantly trying to prove yourself to other people. You're no longer constantly worried about identity crises. You're no longer trying to figure out who you are because you know you're a child or a son or daughter of, of, of God. You're no longer trying to prove anything to, some, to anybody. You're no longer trying to live your life to prove stuff to people because you know who you are in Christ. Once you know who you are in Jesus Christ, you get to that point where you just could care less what people think. Some of y'all are there right now already, huh? <laughs> Smile at me. <laughs> Some of y'all watching online say I could type in the comments, say I could care less. <laughs> it's funny to go back and see all those comments. Because you know you're a son or a daughter of the living God, and it no longer matters that the world's against you because if the if God is for you, who can be against you, right? So you're created to be a son or daughter of the most high God. Are y'all listening to me? Y'all good? Everybody good? We're going to shift gears here. Once that happens and you understand that you are a child of God, you're a daughter of God, you're a son of God, once you understand that, Galatians 4, 7 goes on to say, you're no longer a slave. Everybody say, I'm no longer a slave. <laughs> y'all need to say it like you're not a slave. <laughs> y'all, I'm no longer a slave. Say, I'm no longer a slave, man. Say it with some enthusiasm. You're no longer a slave. Well, what do you mean by that, Pastor? How, how was I ever a slave? How was I ever a slave? Every one of us in this room at some point, everybody watching online right now, at some point you were a slave. Some of you still may be a slave. You say a slave to what? A lot of people are slaves to the world. A lot of people are slaves to your flesh. How are we slaves to the flesh? We're slaves to uh, uh, circumstances. We're slaves to the flesh through temptations and uh, you know immorality and pornography and lust and all those things. We're slaves to that. If we can't overcome that, that's why the Bible talks about when and when we're talking about worship, it talks about crucifying the flesh, putting that flesh that that thing to death, crucifying it. Because the flesh is where is where the, that's where the devil that's that's your that's your emotions that's that's where the devil operates is in your flesh, and the Bible talks about so we're slaves to our flesh. You wonder why you're always giving in to temptations and you're always falling weak and vulnerable to things. You're slaves to flesh. I've been there. I've been there. I was a slave to flesh for twenty years. We're a slave to our circumstances. We're slaves to trying to fit in and trying to be important and trying to be somebody and trying to get the most likes on social media and trying to, we have, we're just slaves to that. A slave to the things that the world expects out of you instead of what God expects out of you and what God puts you on this earth for. You're no longer a slave. You are a child of the most high God. You are a child of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And since you are his child, guess what? He made you an heir to the throne. He made you an heir to the throne. And now, I don't know if you get that or not, but I've meditated on this a lot. And so what that's saying is you are a joint heir to the throne with Jesus Christ himself. That means in heaven, it's not Jesus and then you. You're joint heir with Jesus Christ to everything and all everything that God has. Everything has been made available to you, and it's available to all of us in this place. You don't have to whine, and you don't have to complain, and you don't have to beg God. You are a joint heir to the throne. You have been free and, and you have free this free and open access to God who loves you and cares for you. And God already knows what you need before you ever even ask him. But, but here's the deal is we, we beg and plead and ask God for this and ask God for this and get, ask for God. And God knows what you need. But here's the thing. God is not asking you for, to, to beg and plead and ask him for all these things. What God wants you to do is believe for yourself that you are a child of God. That's what God wants out of you more than anything. For you to believe that you are a son and daughter of the Most High God. When you believe that, it changes your destiny. 
It, cha- it changes your identity. God wants you to believe that you are a son of God. Not just say it. Oh, I'm a son of God. or I'm a... Not just say it. He wants you to believe it. He wants you to believe it. Deep down inside, he wants you to believe it. That is your most important identity. If you don't hear anything else I say today, you walk out of here saying, I am a child of God. And you say that over and over, and you repeat that to yourself every day. I am a child of God. Because that's who you are. And once you get that down, it changes your destiny. It begins to change your destiny. It changes what you're going to do. It changes how you think. It changes how you operate during the day. It changes how you handle relationships. It changes how you handle uh, your finances. It changes how you handle everything. And therefore, it changes your destiny. It changes what you believe you can do. Because if God is with you, you can do all things through Christ that you could never do in your own abilities and own strengths. So that leads me to point two, because this is going to even get better. Y'all ready for this? Say, I'm ready. Type in the comments, say, I'm ready. The second principle is just as important. So now you have to believe that impossibilities are now possibilities. You have to believe that impossibilities are now possibilities. Now, let's, let's talk about this for a minute. I want you to understand this. I want you to think about God. Think about where God lives. Not really where he lives physically. Because, because God does not live, listen to me, I'm not talking about like he lives at this address. You know, God, God does not live in the realm of possibles. God lives in the impossible realm. Okay, stay with me on this. It's hard for us to believe this. It's hard for us to understand this because we live in the possible realm. That's where we live. We live within, watch this, we live within the possibilities of our gifts and our abilities and our own natural strength. That's where we live. We don't understand that God has gifts and abilities that are greater than your natural abilities. We don't get that. We live in this realm of possibilities, and God lives in this realm of impossibilities. And, and, and we need that to live every day. Once you tap into those abilities through the power of the Holy Spirit, you can do all things, and you can do more things, and you can do things that are beyond yourself. But you got to do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't do it in your own strengths and your own abilities. It's just like preaching. It's just like singing. It's ministering to people. It's whatever you got to do. You can't do that in the realm of your possibilities and be effective. you got to rely on a much higher power. Have you ever noticed how God just puts words into your spirit to speak to that person and all of a sudden they're getting saved and you're ministering to them? That's because God moves in the realm of impossibilities. I've ministered to people and I've thought, man, it's, it's going to be impossible for them to get saved. I don't see how they're ever going to get saved. They're, they're a lost cause. <laughs> and all of a sudden God puts you and all of a sudden you start speaking to them. God says, uh-uh, anything's possible with me because God lives in the realm of impossibilities. I told him this morning, said, you don't really need the Holy Spirit to go to heaven, but you need the Holy Spirit to go to, go to Walmart. Y'all know what I'm saying? (laughs) There's some, there's some, anyway, I better move on. Let me, let me break this down for you. Once you tap into those possibilities, for example, when Jesus came onto the scene, let me, let me help you understand this. When Jesus came onto the scene, the first thing he did was went to a wedding. Natural possibilities. There's, you know, go to a wedding. Y'all have been to a wedding before too. Well, what do they do? They run out of wine. So Jesus came, came to the wedding, and, and, and they know, his mother knows that he lives in the realm of impossibilities. And so she goes to him and says, hey, can you do something about this? And, and, and he's like, woman. Anyway, that's a whole other sermon. But So he turns water into wine. Now, many of you know it's impossible to turn water into wine. It is. It, it's impossible to turn water into wine. Some of y'all are thinking to yourself, I wish I knew how to do that. (laughs) But it wasn't only wine, it was the best wine. It wasn't cheap wine, it was good wine. It was good stuff. Then he goes out after he does this, 
It's impossible to turn water into wine, but he does it. Then he goes out into this desert place, and, and everybody's thronging at him because all of a sudden, hey, they learned that he turned water into wine, so everybody's chasing after him. I want to party with this guy. I want to go with this guy. He's, he can do all things. And so there's like, so he comes to this place, this next place, and, and there's thousands of people. There's, the Bible says there's 5,000 of them, plus their men, their, their, husband, their wives, and their children, and, and they don't have nothing to eat. And Jesus says, well, what do we have? And they say, well, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. And Jesus said, well, set them down in 50s. How many of you know that's a feat in itself to get people to sit down in groups of 50s? Yeah, just try it sometime. And, and I can't even get people to break up into groups of 12 for small groups, man. <laughs> and, and so um, that was a miracle in itself. And so, uh, um, you know, people are so finicky. I don't want to be with that person. I want to be with this person. And I don't, yeah, man. I could just imagine what Jesus was going through. Anyway, they sat down in 50s and he breaks the bread and he feeds five, over 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish. How many of you know that's impossible too? And so he's turned water into wine and he's fed over 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish. How many of you believe that Jesus did that? Raise your hands right now. Let me see your hands. Do you, do you really believe that about Jesus? Because if you can't raise your hands, that's because you're still living in the possible realm. You're still living in that possible realm. You can't get past your own abilities and your own gifts and your own, your, your own way of thinking and your own strengths. It's hard to get past this and believe this about Jesus because that, that, we live in the possible realm. But Jesus lives in the impossible realm. Jesus can do the impossible. But many times we don't believe it. And in order to believe in Jesus, you have to have faith in the impossible. You have to have faith in the impossible, all right? So God multiplies the fish and the loaves, and, and then Jesus goes over to teach some people, and, and he's speaking to some people, and, and the disciples... They decide for some reason that they're, I'm paraphrasing all this because I'm trying to make a point. They decide they're tired of listening to Jesus, so they get on a boat and they leave without him. They go out into the water and they're, they're, they, go, they take off without him and, and they leave Jesus on land. It's in the Bible. You can go read about all this. So Jesus says no way to get back to where he needs to be. And so what does Jesus do? He goes out to the disciples. And what's he doing? He's walking on water. He's walking on water. <laughs> <laughs> and to come on now, you can't walk on water. You can't walk on water. I would love for some, if some of you, how many of you can walk on water? Can anybody in here walk on water? Anybody? If you can, if you say you can, I'll meet you at Reeves Lake in just a little while because I would love to see that. It'll turn into a baptism service real quick. <laughs> Jesus is walking on water and they see him coming and they're like, God, who is this guy? And Peter's like, hey, if that's you, Jesus, bid me come. That's cool. I want to do some of that. And Jesus said, come. Peter moved from the possible realm right for a moment. He, he, he quit believing in his own strength and his own abilities and his own gifts. And he said, Jesus, if that's you, come. Jesus said, come. Peter gets out of the boat. And for a moment, he's walking on water. There's no way you can walk on water, though. You've got to remember that. Peter can't walk on water. You can't walk on water. I can't walk on water. Peter's an ordinary guy. I'm an ordinary guy. That's impossible. So Peter must be walking on something, either that or the, the Bible is false and negative or whatever, you know, because water is not walkable. Have you all ever tried that? I try it all the time. When I go to the swim pool, I just want to walk on water. I can't walk on water. I sink. So what was Peter walking on? What's Peter walking on? Peter's walking on the Word. Peter's walking on the Word. He's not walking on water. He's walking on the Word of God. The Word of God can hold you up. The Word of God can sustain you. The Word of God can give you everything you need. The Word of God can prop you up when you don't know where to go. The Word of God can prop you up when it feels like you're sinking in life. The Word of God, when you feel like you're a failure, the Word of God can lift you up. The Word of God can do everything that you needed to do. Peter was walking on the Word. 
I can't, I, I, listen, we can stand on the word of God. If Jesus says it, if Jesus, you can take it to the bank. If Jesus said you could do it, if Jesus said it's possible, if Jesus said all things are possible through Christ who gives us strength, if he said that, you can walk on the word. You can stand on the word. If he said he's going he's gonna to stick closer to you than a brother, if he says he's going to take you to uh, the other side of this eternity and take you to heaven, if he, if he says he's going to do that, if he says you're going to see your loved one, if he says all that, if the word says it, you can stand on the word and take it to the bank. How many of y'all believe that? Thank y'all for that enthusiasm. The word of God is the, it works in the impossible realm. That's why God would say, if you're going to please me, you're going to have to have faith. You're going to have to have faith. You're going to have to take this word and you're going to have to read it and you're going to say, wow, that seems like impossible, but you're going to have to have faith and you're going to have to, you're going to have to step out. You're going, to have to have, you're going to have to walk. You're going to have to have faith. Whatever faith looks like to you, you're going to have to have faith. Because the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. We must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of all those who diligently seek him. And so Jesus is walking on water. Then Jesus goes across the land, and he's preaching to the crowd of people, and the man walks up to him. I'm doing this in chronological order here. And the man walks up to him and says, my boy has epilepsy and he keeps throwing himself into the fire. And I, I, I sent your disciples, but they can't do anything about it. See, the disciples are used to operating in the possibility realm. They're, they're, they're used to doing everything in their own abilities, their own strengths, their own gifts. That's what they understand. They don't understand the impossible realm. And they're like, can you cure him? And so Jesus says, I can't even find any faith in, this, in my hometown, in this town. And so Jesus casts the demon out of this little boy. But before he does that, the people ask him, can you heal him? Look at it in Mark chapter 9, verse 23. Jesus loses his mind. What do you mean if I can what do you mean if I can? I mean, I love the emphasis is mine, but what do you mean if I can? Can you see the sarcasm behind his voice? What do you mean if I can? Jesus says this, anything is possible if a person believes. Anything, let's say that together. Say anything is possible if a person believes. But the first step you got to do is you got to believe that you're a son and daughter of the Most High God. That's the first step. You got to believe in who you are. Anything is possible for a person to believe, which leads me to the conclusion. Watch this. This leads me to the conclusion that we live within the limitations of what we believe. We live in the limitations of what we believe. We live in the limitations of what we believe about ourselves about what we've been told about ourselves, we live within those limitations. And, and so what has happened in the church, I'm generally speaking, unfortunately down through the centuries of the church, the church is guilty. We have so dumbed down the supernatural and the impossible with God that we have a whole group of people going to church in 2020 on a weekend basis trying to live, with, live for God in only the possible realm. And that's a matter of fact. We're trying to live for God. People are trying to live for God only in the possible realm. And when you live in only the possible realm, you will, you will not get it done. You will burn out in the possible realm. The pastor will make you mad in the possible realm. Somebody will tick you off in the church in the possible realm. You'll leave a church. You'll church hop in the possible realm. You won't get it done in the possible realm. You're not going to change America in the possible realm. You're not going to change a city in the possible realm. You might have a group of people going to church, but it's not going to do damage to Satan's kingdom in the possible realm. you got to believe in the impossibility realm. In order for us to do damage in a city, in order us for, for us to, to make change in our cities and see changes in our communities, we got to enter into the impossible realm. We have to start elevating our faith for something that's beyond ourselves. We have to believe for the power of God to use, and use it in ways that we could never even imagine. 
And in order to that, we've got to get the limits off. We've got to get the confines off. We've got to, we got, we, we, we got to understand that the lid has been taken off. And we've got to have faith to jump out. God has no lid on your life. There's no lid. And you've got to come out of the jar and start doing everything that God tells you to do. When, God's, when God takes that lid off, the, the, the more you realize this about God and who you are in God and who your identity is, the larger your dream capacity becomes. We're limiting what God can do in this church based on what we've already accomplished right now up to this point. In your personal life, you're limiting what God can do in your life based on what you've already accomplished. There's so much more. God, you need to dream bigger. If, you, if your dreams don't intimidate you, you're not dreaming big enough. You need to dream bigger. You need to dream about jumping out of the box and doing it. All those dreams and aspirations that God's put in your soul, you need to, you need to jump out and go for it. And then that goes to the third principle. It's real simple. I can't. Everybody say, I can't. That's got to shift to, I can. It's got to shift to, I can't. We got to quit saying, I can't, I can't, I can't. We got to quit speaking that over our lives. We are, we are the, I can teach a whole ser sermon series, four weeks, on the, our negative words. And how our negative words snare us and drag us down. Uh, the I can't has to shift to I can. Now, it's going to take a little while. It's, you're not going to walk out of here because we have a lot of I can'ts in our daily lifestyle. I can't do it. I can't break this addiction. I can't, I can't, I tried to do this. I just can't stop. I can't stop overeating. I can't stop lusting. I can't stop watching porn. I can't stop drinking. I can't stop whatever it is. I can't, I can't, I can't. I can't, I can't start this business right now. You know, the time and just aren't right. I can't get involved in church right now. I'm just too busy. I can't, I can't give up this relationship, or I, I can't get involved in this relationship. I can't, I can't, I can't. I know it's not from God. I just can't break it off with him. I just can't break it off with her. I can't, I can't, I can't. Let me just tell you something. I'm going to teach you something right here. You can do it. You can do it. I, used, I said it for 20 years. I'll never be able to stop this addiction. I'll never be able to stop these addictions. I can't do this. I can't do this. I've tried. I tried. I tried. I tried this. I tried that. I tried this. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. Listen, you can do it. You just don't want to do it. You just don't want to do it. Because I lived there. Deep down, I just didn't really want to do it. This makes me feel good. This makes me feel this makes me feel better. This makes me this relieves my stress. This is my go-to, you know. Let me talk to you about it from a church perspective. You know, starting in September, I we're going to pray, man. We're going to pray for 30 days. We're going to do some fasting and praying and just praying for the upcoming elections and everything going on and 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 simply because I believe September, October, November are going to be some of the most hardest hitting months that we've ever seen in America. I just believe that with all my heart. I, I you know, uh, things are going to get worse before they get better. And I'm not trying to scare anybody. I'm not trying to speak doom. I I I just know that the devil is 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 alive and he's well and he's working overtime and, and so we're going to strategize we're going to be prepared we're going to pray and fast and 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 listen when i say that word pray and fast if even if i say if i say 21 days it blows people's minds they're like i can't pass i can't even fast for one day pastor you can you just don't want to you just don't want to Praying and fasting. Fasting is what crucifies the flesh. You remember I talked about being slaves to the flesh? You want to overcome the flesh? You want to overcome temptation? You want to cover the thing? Try fasting for a day. Try fasting for two days. Try fasting for three days. Now, food is the real fast. That's the real way of fasting. That's, you know, you can fast other things too, but try, try for one day. Just try doing nothing but water and getting into the Word of God. You got to get it. You got to you got to put spiritual stuff into you. But you do that. Watch watch what your flesh does. Watch how your flesh becomes to come under subjection to what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. 
Pastor, I, 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 wanna, I, I can't lead a small group. You know, I just don't have time. I can't be in a small group. I just don't have time. I, I, you know, I can't invite people to church. I don't even know how to talk to people. I don't even, uh, listen, some of you talk to people. You talk to people, a lot of people. Some of you have a lot of influence. I can't, I can't, I can't. I can't get involved in the ministry. I just don't have time. I can't, I can't. I can't tithe. I can't give. I can't, I, I can't do this. I, I can't. You can. You just don't want to. Now listen to me, I'm telling this because I'm teaching you, because I, I learned this with my kids probably too late, because I don't want to's turn into I can't. If your kid gets up every morning, and you know, because my, I, you know, I remember my kids, I, I did it too when I was a kid. I don't want to go to school. I don't want to get up. I want to sleep in. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. And if you don't get a handle on that, I don'ts will turn into I can't. And I'd speak live. You know, you get up out of that bed, you're going to school, you're going to be productive, you're going to, you're going to have a good attitude, you're going to do this. You can do all things through Christ. You can. You are a strong leader. You are going to do this. You can do this. Speak life over your kids. Speak life over yourselves. Because I don't want to's will turn into I can'ts. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You have to shift the I can'ts to I can't. Stop limiting yourself. Stop limiting your business. Stop limiting your family. Stop limiting your, 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 your goals. Stop limiting those. I mean, it's, it's taken, I told him this morning, it's taken me 14 years to get, get the church where it's at today, you know. And, and, and we had some momentum growing and seeing some families come in back in February. And all of a sudden, COVID-19 comes and kicks us in the teeth, man. Every church I know, man, they just, they're like, Ert! And I have all these goals, man. I just, I, I honestly believe. I, I am crazy enough to believe. And you're going to look at me and say, that's impossible. But I believe this church, I believe we're going to run three to 400 people. And I believe there's going to be a time when we're going to go to three services. And, and I want to see people healed and saved and delivered. And I believe that God's going to do this. But all of a sudden, that came to a screech and halt. All of a sudden, I find myself preaching to an empty room on a camera. <laughs> you know how discouraging that is? Now all of a sudden we're going to do viral church. Well, what does that look like? You can't do that. You can't do that. You can. <laughs> Guess what? You can. Now, you know what I mean? And I just, I, I, I had to pray through this and I got an attitude and I said, you know what? We're going to do this. We're going to do a good job and we're going to do it to the best of our abilities and we're going to see God move through this. And I, you can, you can, you can do it. People tell me you can't, boy, church is never going to get back to normal. <laughs> well, what is normal? <laughs> What does normal look like? We don't even know what normal is anymore. And so there, I, I'm telling you, there's, there's fixing to be some shifts in how we do church and how we do church on Sunday mornings and uh, how we do online church. And, and we're going to make some changes because I, I just believe, I, I listen, I believe COVID-19 has exposed the American church. And, and we've been doing church, how we've been doing church for the past two decades has been exposed. Building churches off personalities and giftings. And, and I believe the Spirit of God is about to birth a new system and a new structure in the church and there's new wine that's going to be poured into those churches because the old wineskins have been broken in this, in this, through this time and I believe the churches that are on board and the churches that are open to this God's going to pour a new, a new wine into them and there's going to be a new thing happening and so many people listen for decades so many people have tried church but they haven't tried Jesus there's so many people right outside these doors, right here today in Freona, Texas. They're burned out and they're disillusioned with church, but they've never tried Jesus. New wine is coming. New wine is coming. And it's coming through how it's coming through prayer, and it's gonna come through a house of prayer, and it's gonna come through a people that wanna pray. It's gonna come through a people that wanna worship. It's gonna come up through a people. Uh, listen, I said this morning, I don't know if I said it or not, but there's a lovesick bride, the church that's that's hungry for more. The church is hungry and thirsty for more, and it's about to meet up with the bridegroom cream, and there's gonna be a fire that ignites in the church. That's what's about to happen. Mark my words, it's gonna, but it's gonna come through a house of prayer. It's going to come to a people that are, want to, that are willing to pray, that are willing to get on their knees, that are willing to cry out, that are willing to, to pay the price. Pastor, I can't pray for 30 days. 
I can't even make it on Wednesday nights for an hour. <laughs> can't even come on Sunday mornings from, for 30 minutes. Listen, you can. It's a matter of want to. That's, that's what it boils down to. It's a matter of want to. And, and this, this, this hour, at this hour right now, people need the church more than ever. And more than ever, we need to take Jesus to the people, right? We need to take Jesus to the people. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to be done differently. It's, it's going to have to be done differently. We're going to have to go to the people. And we, we've got some things in the pipe that are coming down, and it's going to cause people to get outside of these walls and, and start doing things in their businesses and start having church in their businesses and having church in their, in their small groups and their small circles and their, wherever their influence is. Well, uh, I, if we're just sitting in the chairs, I don't want that no more. Do you all want that? I mean, there, there's a time to come and celebrate and, and, and learn and grow. But, but beyond that, if we're just hearing the word and not doing nothing with it, that's not what God wants. That's not bringing honor to God. God is trying to get us out of our lazy boy mentality and, start, and, and wants us to get up and do something. Got to push that old lever in that seat and get out of it. You know what I mean? <laughs> we're, I told him this morning, we're, we're, we're stuffed full of faith potatoes. We so fat on faith potatoes. I mean, we, 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 we watch Christian television. We watch everybody on the internet. We listen to so many podcasts. We watch everybody on the internet. We got all the five, ten-minute sermonettes, and we do absolutely nothing with it. We get so fat on faith, but we never ex exercise our faith. Is it true? Am I telling the truth, church? And I believe it's time for us to get out of the get out of the jar, man. Jump out of the jar and exercise our faith. And start walking in the realm of impossibilities. Exercise our faith. Because there's no lid on us. Amen. What if we just said, what if it what if every morning we just got up and said, God, I know I can't, but through Christ who strengthens me, I know I can do all things through Christ. That was the first scripture I ever memorized when I got saved with Philippians 4.13. I have said that word, I have said that so many times. I've been so I've been discouraged so many times. I've been down so many times. And I've Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I don't see a way. I don't see a way out. I don't know how I'm going to do it. But the Bible says I can do all things. I can do this. I can do this. I can start a new business. I can become an actor. I can be go to college. I can play college sports. I can play in the NFL. I can become a millionaire. I can become a billionaire. I can give more kingdom to, more money to the kingdom of God. I can, I can do it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But you can't do it in your own abilities. God took people in the Bible. Listen to me, I'm almost done. He took Peter, James, and John, for instance. It, the Bible describes Peter, James, and John as unlearned, ignorant people. How many of you feel unlearned and ignorant sometimes? I do all the time. <laughs> Watch what he did. They, these, probably, these guys never been to Bible college. They never had, you know, we, we, they never had any master's degrees or doctorate degrees that we so strive for on this earth today. Got to have degrees, 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 degrees. They didn't have any educational credentials. They didn't have no business credentials. They didn't have any uh, expertise in law and marketing. And They were just fishermen, man. <laughs> A couple of tax collectors. Average ordinary people that God chose and he turned them into extraordinary people. That's you, that's me, that's all of us sitting in this place. Everybody watching online, ordinary people. And he did extraordinary things when, through their life. God can take ordinary people and make them extraordinary people. So... Quit putting all your stock in your natural gifts and your natural abilities. You need those. God given to you for a reason to use. But there's so much more. God wants to take it to another level. There's gifts that he is putting, putting in you. He's already put in you that we haven't tapped into yet. And they're called spiritual gifts. And, and let me just say that there are, some, there are some of you that's using your talents but not your gifts. And there's a difference. 
There's a difference between talents and gifts. And God willing, I'm going to speak about that in the next coming weeks. And I'm going to talk to you about gifts and, and how to unleash those things. If the music wants to come, uh, um, let me say this. Um, as they're coming... I'm going to talk about how to develop and function these gifts, but not only that, not only how to what gifts they are and how to function in those gifts, I'm going to talk about how to take them and how they function outside of the church because that's important. It's one thing for them to operate in the church, but we got to take it outside the church. We're about to get free, and we're going to use those gifts for the glory of God. Amen? That's important. It's important that you give all the glory to God when God's using you in supernatural ways. And listen, church, God is simply saying it's time to get out of that jar. It's time to get out of it. I've taken the lid off, but you're only jumping so high. It's time to get out of your limitations. The lid is off. And once you come to know and understand it, the first step, you've got to understand that you're a son or a daughter of God. Quit focusing on what you don't have, what you didn't have, what happened to you as a child, and start focusing on now that what God is doing for you. And how, start focusing on that you are, a, you are a child of God. Old things have passed, and behold, all things are new. Stand with me all over this place. I want to pray with you right quick. Stand with me all over this place.